0: I do not buy dreams. I sell them. It's a podcast where I hope you all are doing a phenomenal job surviving quarantine. I got to stop saying surviving quarantine like it's really that difficult. Like you're just chilling in your house. But let's be real. You're not listening and you're going outside and doing what you want to do within the grounds of trying to keep yourself clean and, you know, not contaminate yourself and your loved ones. So, uh, hope everybody is doing well. Hope you had a phenomenal weekend. Um, I'm coming in just checking in real quick, but you know, as I have to get better about checking in and dropping content and doing all that good stuff. Also recognize I got to do a better job checking in with my loved ones, checking in with my people, checking in with, you know, those, you know, still near and dear to my heart, even if physically in proximity, they are nowhere near where I am. So, I figured I would kill two birds with one stone with this episode because not only do I get a chance to check in with y'all, chop it up with y'all, but I am actually, as we speak, gonna try to hit up my mom's and see how she's doing because Deb is a born star. We saw what happened with my son, Sean. So, why not Women's History Month bring in the most important woman in my life? So hopefully she picks up. Hopefully she wants to talk to her only child and we'll see. Hello. Hey, what's up, ma? What you doing? Chilling. You are actually live on my podcast right now.
1: Wait, hey,
0: what? I said I'm recording my podcast. You're on it right now.
1: Oh, my. Okay.
0: Yeah, no, I'm sorry. Are you out and about? Mm -hmm. home okay i got you i got you it's cool right now it's just me and you but i'm actually recording so it's not like there's hundreds of of viewers or listeners right now like catching you completely off guard which i'm sorry i did but i figured i gotta be better about dropping some content number one but also you know this was something i'd hoped to do with you when you came in town but unfortunately due to the rona we had to uh we had to cancel your trip so how are you doing mom
1: well, I tell you, it, I was thinking earlier, it's a really weird time to actually listen and not hear traffic, not hear people. You know, I live next door, door to a shopping plaza, and you don't hear anything. It's very weird.
0: Yeah. It it, been? It's
1: almost, when it feels like you're the last person on earth, it's weird. Now,
0: I was about to ask you, have you lived through or experienced anything similar to this?
1: No, I think the closest thing is, in my lifetime, was H1N1. Okay. And just the, you know, the flu, the flu virus itself, because you know it changes every year, but uh, SARS and uh You know, so we had, we even had Legionnaire's disease, which was, and they called it that because it was like this group of people people who had worked for the government were at an event and they literally all passed this virus along to each other and people were dying. So they were kind of isolated, but it was strange that they wound up being sequestered. They couldn't leave wherever they were. Hmm. So it was very weird. So yeah, when was that? Oh gosh, I think I was a I was a kid when that happened. So it was yeah. So it was very weird. So just different things uh, because you know we don't know enough about this virus. But even when you know I had to study the Spanish flu when I was in high school, and you know we just kind of touched on that with this coronavirus, but the that Spanish flu wiped out half of Europe. Okay. It, it killed millions of people, and now, you know, we're kind of like, where is this thing headed? But we already left, uh, lost a large part of our population when Spanish flu hit, so it, it's
0: interesting, yeah. How do you I wasn't like- alive then. <laughs> okay. Now, how now, how are you viewing the you know like reaction of you know, just the way in which coverage of it has been, just like from the media standpoint? Are you feeling like you know, because a lot of times there can be, a, I guess, a, a element of sensationalization, you know, to a lot of stories, yeah. and I'm not saying by any means we're doing that with this story, but do you feel like the actions that you've seen taking place in certain industries has been swift enough, not enough, or about what you could expect in a situation that's been ongoing and changing and rapidly updating?
1: Well, I, you know, I have real opinions about that mainly because um, I'm a little concerned about what we knew and when we knew it, yeah, and what we didn't do when we knew it so I think when we're trying to protect information as opposed to being transparent because this is something that will affect everyone mm-hmm. this isn't something that's just affecting different places you know we're global now it, we don't isolate ourselves so I think having worked in the College of Medicine in Cincinnati, as you know, when you're working around doctors, they're scientists, and they do believe that you need to get ahead of things right away, even if it's scary. So I come away with this feeling that we were behind the eight ball, and not because we didn't know. But because we chose not to talk about it. So now it seems like it's too much information because we didn't when we knew in January that it was in the United States, we didn't talk about it. We you know, we, we just didn't talk about it. And I think that was damaging. I mean, look at what's happening now. But, you know, originally they said people in your age group didn't get it.
0: Right. And now. It's like and
1: now to not yeah. The I mean, they even said animals didn't get it. And here in Arizona, a couple of dogs died. No, they haven't died yet. And they haven't euthanized them. So the animals are still alive. I don't know what they're going to ultimately do, but now I, I, I don't know when you don't know anything about something, how you can say it doesn't happen.
0: Right. No, I can understand. So,
1: yeah. So I think if we did anything, uh, you know, you and I talked about this before. So far, since last October, almost 55%. Now the number has changed 55,000 people
0: Have died from the flu Well that seemed to Take on a more um, I guess for me I always Thought the flu was just Something Everybody got it was something like uh, Almost like an annual chicken pox for people Not saying the symptoms were the same but just the fact That growing up I always knew People who got the flu I never knew it to be Something that was fatal So I never knew that it was to be taken that seriously until recently when, I mean, even last year we had a death here in Cary uh, as a child. And so, I mean, I guess for me, like I never thought pneumonia was something super serious to get, but yet I've now seen, you know, people who have actually died from it and not just people who were advanced in years. So, you know, I, I guess just understanding I guess, the severity of a lot of these illnesses. I guess sometimes there's just, you know, maybe because I'm not so far removed from my 20s where we all have this aura of invincibility, we never really think about our mortality. So, I mean, I never thought about catching an illness and dying from it. Especially one that
1: is preventable because that's all, when I saw how large that number was of people dying from the flu so far, that you can believe that 90% of that was, was preventable because we have a vaccine, mm-hmm. and most people don't take a vaccine, and hand hygiene, people don't realize how important it is to wash your hands. It sounds simple, but that's, that's why the numbers for the flu is so extraordinary. Well, and you It's look, because it's preventable.
0: I feel like I'm never going to look at, like, social graces the same anymore after this. Like I'm really going to think twice before, like, dapping up and going in for the hug, because I feel like I used to do that with everybody. And now it's like, man, listen fist bump like howie mandel was like the only person i ever knew who was like a real severe germaphobe but now it's like oh i get it which i'm sure he's sitting back looking at this like see but um but yeah yeah like i don't i
1: don't i know know because it seems simple yeah and even when you were growing up and this is a You know, this might be a vague thing to you, but for me, it meant something. And Mm. that was, I never shared your food. I never drank out of your cup or my cup. I never shared things like that. Now, I don't know if you remember that, but it's probably something you have to remember because it's something that I did purposely to create a healthy habit for you. Really. I didn't let I never let people kiss you as a little kid. You know, one of the first things you want is to grab a baby mm-hmm. and kiss a baby. Mm-hmm. I was really stringent about that. I didn't do that to you much. I might lay my cheek on your cheek, yeah, but I didn't spend a lot of time kissing you on the face. And that's because, you know as you know, you were born in California. So living in California in a highly populated state in certainly a city yeah. like Los Angeles, everybody embraces and do things like that culturally Families share food and plates and drinks and stuff like that. And I would always see people sick mm-hmm. and I, Just being around a city like that, I mean, like two-thirds of the city will wind up with the flu. So I purposely did that. And also, I didn't do that as a kid growing up. So it is interesting to me. You're absolutely right. I think I always, because again, in my lifetime, the flu became deadly. People always saw it as some kind of casual thing. Everybody got it. You got up after like a week and you were fine. But you find out that a lot of those antibodies stay in your body. So it, that's why families pass it on to each other and never quite recuperate. They're always just a little bit sick all the time until it gets hot outside. And then, you know, the sun alone just kind of extracts it from your body. It's very weird. And you're right. No one should ever take this seriously, especially when you have cures for it. Now, I will say every flu... Uh, vaccination is always a year behind.
0: That's so, what I've heard a lot in regards to that discussion, though, vaccinations.
1: Yeah, this year's flu strain won't be until this September when the flu shot becomes available. It always covers the past virus. So, but what it does still do at a very high percentage, is prevent you from being taken down by the flu. Okay. But it's always a year behind because they have to wait to see what virus shows up now to be able to create an intervaccination for the next flu season. But someone like me, who, who's older and has an underlying health issue, um i take a flu shot every year because i have to
0: well, I'm i just
1: a customer, you know I'm a for
0: that because it was always something yes. that was i don't believe it was ever mandated but it was something that we did or it was offered and was free so i had no problem doing it um right. and so i wondered that only because just a couple of weeks ago uh i promise it wasn't coronavirus i mean everybody here in the house was laid down with a stomach bug and i noticed that i bounced back i I'll, I'll say i was i was sick for about a full 24 hours um the kids were were down for about a day and a half and bridget probably felt the effects for about 3 days um yeah. and of course as you know bridget is pregnant and so yeah I was wondering what it was that led to me bouncing back quicker than the rest of the house. And that, that is something to be sick. Cause my, our kids don't get vax. you know, they get the mandated vaccines, like the ones that they absolutely have to have in order to attend school uh, yes. and the pretty much the mandated battery of vaccines that doctors recommend. But as far as like yeah. a flu shot, you know, I kid like my, my kids don't get flu shots. And that's just out of respect to my wife's decision towards certain vaccinations, certain vaccinations, not all of them. And that'll be a different conversation when I have her come on, if she cares to delve into that. Cause I know it's a hot button topic and it's a very sensitive issue. I mean, it's led to some pretty tense moments in doctor's offices (laughs) between Bridget and the medical professionals. And for me, you know, I, I ride with my wife on the, you know, but for myself, you know, yeah, I still get flu shots. And I wondered, You know, when we were all sick, the fact that I was able to go from literally mom working out late on a Tuesday night to waking up in the middle of the night, Tuesday into Wednesday morning. So technically Wednesday morning, 345 a.m. and then virtually being sick from that morning on until Thursday sunup and then I'm back working out on Thursday you know, only missing one day. And I was wondering if that might have been something that played a role, I don't know, and I didn't necessarily <laughs> expound on it further because I know where that conversation would lead in my house. But um, And there's a very real reason why Bridget has her apprehensions mm-hmm. just based off of her own personal experience, which again, you know, if she chooses to share that, that absolutely is not mine. that but, mind. Um, but I do wonder that, like, I think about, you know, when I was a kid, And, you know, you're learning about your body and the muscles and how to make yourself healthy. And this is usually when they were introducing the conversations of, like, five food groups and whatever they were preaching at that time. Um, They would always show that picture of, like, what your body looked like turned inside out. Not in, like, a scary way, but just to kind of help you familiarize yourself with the fact that there are things working within your body and this is how your body works kind of thing. I just always wondered, you know, I wish we had the ability to actually do that and bring that to fruition at different points in our life to be able to see what we're doing to ourselves. Like for me, I know, I mean, you've, the way my weight has fluctuated and yo-yoed and I'm now on a a downtrend, which is great. But, you know, seeing that, that fluctuation, knowing your family medical history, because I think about that now, because every time my kids go to the doctor, that question gets brought up. Excuse me, I would love to I wish we had that ability because I think it would really allow for people to take heed to to some of the damage that we do.
1: Oh yeah, I think you know now that i that I live with diabetes, one of the things uh, that I learned very very quickly is uh one of the things a dietitian told me when I first started working on my health was. What happens with diabetes is that when a woman's waist is above 35 inches and a man's waist is above 40 inches, immediately your pancreas becomes insulin resistant. So that is what becomes diabetes. So how a lot of people bounce back is based off age. So when they're younger, they can get ahead of it, you know, by weight loss and the usual things that type 2 diabetes is. It's just food and diet. So interestingly enough, it's 100% preventable and 100% curable. So, you know, I kind of look at that like the flu is something that can be eradicated. That's what's extraordinary. But the other thing is, now that I've learned a lot more about living with a disease, because I think I told you that this year it'll be 18 years that I will be living with diabetes. And one of the things that I have learned is diet, uh, and, and even diet's probably not a good word, but just a lifestyle change, eating, I eat five fruits and vegetables a day and only four ounces of meat. So there are just things, that's why it's so different now with health. And we're coming up with all these other diseases. And scientists think that, one, it's just mutating itself into different things. But it's all centered on how you treat your body. So it's not all environmental. It is how you treat your body. These diseases are not coming from the sky. They're coming from your body. Now, that's a different sensibility. (laughs) I mean, that's different because you think, well, how does the the flu mutate? It comes from a sick body. Right doesn't I mean it, we don't know about this virus we don't know if it's passing through the air. We don't really quite know if it's just you know doing like a normal flu does it comes out of your body onto another person just droplets just talking you know you project droplets so they, they aren't completely sure of how it's transmitted. But ultimately, that's how the flu was transmitted. So these diseases are coming from a sick body that is going out to the person next to you. So that's all diet. That's all diet. And um, so I know, you know, back to the fact, the the vaccination thing. No, I, I understand that a lot of people have a lot of conversations about what they think vaccines do to people and all of that. And I understand, I think that's a personal decision for each family. But the thing for me is I don't have that option. And the reason I don't have that option is I'm 61 and I live with diabetes. So for me, it's not a matter of if I will get the flu, it's a matter of when I get the flu. You had so it pretty I bad did. a
0: couple of years ago, right? Didn't you almost go to the ER or you did go to the ER? What, honey, what? The flu. Didn't you have it like the winter of like 2015 or 2016? You had it really bad when you so. Well, you know, what's really strange about that is I didn't know what I had because
1: I've never stopped getting the flu shot i mean like you working in the college of medicine we were required to have the flu shot mainly because our our college was attached to a hospital so we were required just like doctors and nurses are required so i never stopped getting a flu shot we believe at that time This would that when I was really sick, it was not the flu so much as it was diabetes makes you sick. And a lot of the symptoms, when it's not under control, it feels like the flu. So, um, although I had had a flu shot. Diabetes is like any other chronic disease. You get it under control, and then it unravels again. So it's a constant battle of changing medicines, taking them at different times during the day. So, you know, it's just a relapsable chronic disease. Uh, Luckily, I've been stable for about five years now. But for the most part, it's, that's why I never want people to go through a chronic disease, especially like this one, because it's curable and it's manageable. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, but I haven't had the flu in years, mm-hmm. years and years and years, yeah, mm-hmm. because I've taken flu shots for 18 years now. You know what I
0: haven't even really considered before was actually talking to you, because for me, I struggle with this compulsive eating like that is kind of my thing. And it has been my stickler for for years. And I got it under control. For the most part, when I first moved out on my own, when I had roommates and I was paying for my groceries for the first time. And, yeah. you know, so, you know, naturally you're already reducing the amount of food I was taking in. And then also when I started working at the bank, um, I would get a lot of like the home cooked meal leftovers. Cause I worked in Indiana and I was like the single guy and the young guy. And so my worry. teller yeah. coworkers, like, I don't know. I think they enjoyed like being moms and having yeah. somebody to take care of. So I would get leftovers. So okay. I would get you know, complete meals is leftovers. And so I would rarely have to really think about, you know, my, my intake, but, you know, it got to a point once I was living on my own down here and kind of missing home and really kind of bummed out about not being home and didn't really like my job that I was working at all too well. I realized I just ate, I ate and ate just because you know, I would eat when I was sad. I would eat when I was angry. I would eat when I was happy. I would eat when I was, you know, I couldn't sleep. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so it became this thing and I put on so much weight. And so now even, you know, with this quarantine, because I've been home virtually for the past few years, I had the back injury. And then now with the flexibility of my job, you know, I can be home to, you know, be here with Haley, And now with quarantine, we're all under one roof. But, you know, I spend a lot of time hanging out, in my garage which is like my de facto office slash man cave because when i'm in the house i just eat when i'm idle you know i keep naturally gravitating back towards the kitchen and then before you know it you know so it's it's a slippery slope but i would i need to really sit down and start picking your brain about what would be you know beneficial for me to eat because not only if in, in regards to you know my physical appearance as far as like size and wanting to continue to lose weight but also as i look at like my skin like my face you know i listen to uh charlamagne the god a lot and he credits his dermatologist uh, dr natasha sandy for really telling him certain foods he needed to refrain from because of how it affected his skin and gave him those dark spots under his eyes which i've had and really been self-conscious about so you know a lot of things i was thinking about that today you know not just wanting to change up my diet just because of you know i guess uh physical appearance in my body but also how can you know the benefits of what it could have you know for my skin and my <laughs> overall appearance. you
1: know i get this a lot from people, I've had people follow me and ask if they can follow me in the grocery store because they have watched me. You know, I obviously go to my regular grocery store all the time and they would see how I shopped and they would say, Can I walk around with you? Because I want to buy what you buy. Yeah. And one of the things for me, I, well, the reason I gained so much weight, uh, which prompted me to, to then switch over to being diabetic. One, I was over 40 when it happened, which is a very dangerous time for anyone. But the thing is, a dietitian once said to me, I was saying to them, you know, in the middle of the night, I would get up and get something to eat, you know, like a snack, not a meal, but, you know, grab some chips or whatever. Mm -hmm. And she said to me, well, are you hungry in the middle of the night? And I remember looking at her like, well, I just told you I grabbed something to eat in the middle of the night. And she said, she just looked at me and I looked at her and she said, what I'm trying to say to you, Deborah, is most people go to grab something to eat when in actuality, they're only thirsty.
0: Yeah, he says that a lot. She's like, "Just have a yeah. glass of water." No, so like, I don't drink, want a glass of yeah, water. Yeah, drink something
1: <laughs> before you grab food. Yeah. 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 So that's that's the first thing, the first habit I stopped. And you know, now everybody talks about intermittent. That's um, that's yeah, you know, where you, know what, what do they call it? Intermittent. I see. Fasting, yes. So that's pretty much what nighttime is. Yeah. Because at nighttime, your body has to have a period of time where you're not ingesting anything, Mm -hmm. and your body is just working on eliminating what's in your body already. Mm -hmm. And it's too difficult for it to constantly be regurgitating what's in your body. Yeah. Because as time goes by, your important organs start to change because it never gets a break. It's never not processing. So I don't do that in the night when I'm, uh, I always drink water because usually your body is, like I said, thirsty. And then if, if I decide to have, you know, like a, glass of crystal light or something that's sugar free i'll do that but mostly water and then i once i started practicing that i came to realize i wasn't hungry that was just an old habit that i hadn't gotten rid of so i don't eat during the night i only keep something by me if i haven't eaten a good Dinner that I might run the possibility of my blood sugar dropping in the night, okay, and I, awesome. I, yeah, I might have to keep something next to me like a box of little those little raisins, and I never eat snacks out of a bag. You I know, only measure them. Out. Yeah, I was going to say you
0: portion it out. Yeah,
1: yeah, and I buy food in portions so that i don't have to measure things so you know that i get yogurt (laughs) little containers of yogurt little containers of applesauce and that's the reason because i i monitor what i eat and that's been the whole difference for me portion is where people get in trouble it's the portion size and listen i was raised by a southern mother so you ate everything on the plate and everything was smothered in gravy yeah. and mashed potatoes. And, yeah. you know, and there was we always had dessert. So there was peach cobbler or sweet potato pie. So growing up, we didn't learn how to eat well. We just learned how to eat.
0: And that's. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and, and trust me, this is. You know, it's interesting. This is where we start on your first episode coming on because I definitely want to have different conversations about my grandmother, your mother, and then, of course, yeah. more, you know, trans, you know, transitioning into your life specifically. But, um, yes, in regards to, you know, eating habits, or eating well versus eating. You know, that's that was something actually uh, Lonnie Love recently touched on. She's a co-host of The Real. The Real. Yeah. And I mean, she even got emotional while talking about it, you know, speaking uh, to, you know, people in uh, Africa. I guess a certain segment of the African-American community predicated off of where we're raised and the environment in which we live. We're not taught how to eat in her words properly. But I think she meant healthy. And so, you know, that's that's what she was speaking to. And I know that that conversation in a vacuum spun off into a lot of different conversations based off of the reactions to it. But I think I understood what she was at least trying to say in regards to, you know, in certain areas because of the restaurants that are put in those areas, it's not you know, basically uh, celebrating a healthier lifestyle. It's usually uh, a chicken spot. It's a Chinese restaurant and maybe a pizza spot or, you know, it's going to be a dollar general with nothing but snack food in it. You know, or it's also cheap. Well, yeah. And
1: we can put a lot of pretty words around it, but processed food is cheaper than fresh food. Right. And unfortunately, it's in communities of people that already do not understand how to eat. Right. So the, the yeah, and and it touches every part of your life. I've seen people who you could walk in their office in the middle of the day and they're almost a head down on the desk because they've overeaten. People do not know. What is the right portion to eat of things? And then they think, well, I'm a certain size.
0: That's not going to satisfy my appetite. That was when, always my thing. Our people would always push seconds and thirds on me because they were like, oh, you're a big kid. Not Now, I realized, yes. and yeah, a lot of times I'm a big kid because I'm having seconds and <laughs> thirds. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. So, yeah, it's yeah. the vicious circle
1: of that. Yes. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, people and were doing that up until a few years ago. And then finally, I just stopped eating out with people. <laughs> yeah. But no, but well, I, it was that. Yes, that. I would always get, oh, come on, man, have more. Or they would say, hey, Fred, there's more. Like, you have it. I'm cool, but you have more. You know what I mean? It was yes. that.
1: Yeah. yeah. And, the, and the reality is, your body, it's almost like filling up a jar with something. And your body is only used to air quotations, normal uh, you know contents.'re not your body can only process. now hear this son, your body can your kidneys can only process four ounces of meat a day. So if you're eating more than that, And four ounces equates to the palm of your hand. If you're eating more than that, your organs are over-processing that. So it's like you filling up, you know, a four-ounce jar and you just keep pouring and it overflows. Your body will go on and process it, but most of what it's processing, it sticks in your body and becomes fat. That's how we gain weight. It's because you're overfeeding it. So I would say to anyone that when you look at how you eat, and let me go back to something else. You're talking about Lonnie Love. I know she's promoting a weight loss project, uh, product now. Yeah. So, uh, one of the things, all of those programs, all they ever teach you is what I just told you. Yeah. And the, the, the thing for southern communities and for a lot of cultures, food is love. So the way people feed you is not because they're trying to fatten you up. They're trying to love you up. Right. Yeah, so, absolutely. yeah, it's hospitality yeah. is what it is. Right. and you know now
0: which is how i always uh, took it (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah it
1: was love (laughs) but the reality is you know now people don't do that to me no one asks me hey you want another piece of cake (laughs) you know so people know that i'm really conscious of what i eat because it you know for me it's life or death i don't i don't have the luxury of playing around with stuff I mean, even being in the grocery store and the shelves are almost empty and looking around, I have to really, I think because I eat fresh anyway, that a lot of the things that I eat aren't gone from the store. Uh, Most people bought. They just bought more of the crap they normally eat, so I was saved.
0: Right, all your stuff <laughs> was still there. Yeah, all the bright colors were still there in the grocery store—the reds and, and the greens and all yeah. that.
1: Yeah, no,
0: yeah. all
1: the vegetables—they're all there. Um, the fish—it's there, <laughs> you know. And you know, I don't eat—I eat sugar-free cookies, and I also uh, eat uh, baked crackers so i don't eat potato chips and stuff like that so yeah so my stuff is
0: still there but uh so I, it's, it's i do have a question for you before we get off sure of, before we get off of here um sure. for me for someone who's trying to turn it around and i you know i have my good days i have my bad days um i know as far as setting goals for myself where i would ultimately like to get to the process of, of losing weight and changing your lifestyle, you know, obviously we all want to see the results because the results are what's going to keep us motivated because we see yeah. it moving in the right direction. Um, uh-huh. but also, I also want to just feel better. You know, I don't want to feel that, that feeling of just being sluggish and, and, slow and 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 so when you were going through your weight loss journey when did you start to feel that when did you start to start you know start feeling those changes within you and then as it would show in your physical appearance
1: well i felt it immediately because the first thing i did was eliminate carbs and um you might remember this you know you the other thing is Let me start with the food part of it first, and then I'll say the other part. With the food part, I went in, like, DEF CON 9. I immediately eliminated carbs. Everybody doesn't need to do that. I just found replacements for the carbs. So I drank more water than anything I gave up. Well, you know, I only drink diet sodas, but they have hidden stuff in them, which kept me kind of bloated. So water doesn't. So I thought, well let me just start with water and maybe treat myself to, you know, a diet soda at once a week. But um so I started there. So with the water alone in the first ten days I could see that I was losing inches from getting rid of the carbs, only eating Uh, vegetables and my four ounces of meat a day and drinking more water. And the thing for most people is measure your portions. If you buy a big bag of chips, I'm not saying stop eating the chips. I'm just saying don't eat out of the bag because you can't measure that. So put it in a small bowl and stick to I'm only going to eat what's here in my bowl but the thing that was overarching for me was something a lady told me when I was a teenager and it resonated for me when I was going when I was diagnosed with diabetes. And she said to me, we were talking about something and she said, "Well, don't you think you deserve that?" Mm-hmm. And what I came away with as she and I talked more about that, was I deserve to live well. Yeah. And in deserving that was the weight loss Is, and getting my diabetes under control.
0: That has been my internal dialogue recently.
1: It's instead, deserving to yeah, treat instead yourself Instead of better. going for the
0: instant gratification, and having the gratification of... Uh, of having that peace of mind that you did something right for your body. Not yes. just for your palate, basically.
1: Yeah. Because there are always replacements for the foods you love. Yeah. Always. It's not, and I'm not saying throw the baby out with the bathwater. I'm saying that there are replacements for things that you enjoy. I don't eat white baked potatoes. I eat sweet potato that has 120 less calories right. and no carbs. So, and what I want for you in particular is I want it to be your choice instead of some doctor standing in front of you saying you don't have a choice. Exactly.
0: Exactly. And that's what I had encountered yeah. in high school and righted the ship and turned things around. And, you know, did a, did a, actually a, pretty good job of keeping it off and then I got down here and I just kinda slipped. But it was me though. There were a lot of different there were a lot of transitions going on in my life. And I
1: think yeah, I just you, kinda yeah, sucked. You did that. a I, lot of things and I tell you this all the time. You did a lot of things that most people don't do in twenty years. Yeah. You did it in <laughs> five years. That was a lot yeah. of stuff. And most people eat for emotional reasons. Right. So you move to a city where you only knew a few people. Um. You know, I did the same thing all those years ago. You know, moving permanently to LA the way I did, and it's hard. I had moved away from people I knew and all of that, and it. Yeah. So emotionally, you did a lot of things in a short span of time, and. You know, sometimes it's hard for people to even recover from those type of emotional things. But if you always start with, what do I deserve to have for myself, then it changes your thought process. Because what you find out, I I said to you or someone recently, when I went to see Oprah in Inglewood this year, last month, was... I looked around that stadium and all I could think about, look at all of these people trying to find their purpose. Right. And I thought, wow, get your head around that. Because what that tells you is they never lived it. Yeah. They never lived it. And where it starts with the greatest love affair you'll ever, ever have is the one you have with yourself. Hello. And not in a narcissistic way, in
0: a healthy way. That's a perfect way to end this. Thank you,
1: mom. Like, no, thank you.
0: <laughs> I knew you were going to do it like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, who can I call up and who's going to be able to just kind of roll with it? Because, you know, I was like, oh, man, let me hit up mom real quick. But no, I do appreciate this because it is helping with my literacy with food, I feel like. For health. I've been health illiterate for a large portion of my life. So, no, I appreciate this conversation because I think had it not been for the course of dialogue in this episode, I don't know if you and I would have ever just sparked up this conversation. So I'm glad that yeah. we were here. But like I said, this is the first of many. Like There's a lot of
1: conversations. To be had on, oh, so we're going to have you. And I have a lot that I'm gonna, I am want to share. But you're also in the middle of a health crisis, yeah. and with that comes stress, and stress usually brings on bad eating habits. So just be mindful of what you put in, and just measure it out. You'll be fine, sweetheart. And I look forward to talking to you in the future on your podcast.
0: Absolutely. Thank you. But if
1: you don't mind, just feel free to call up yes. Oprah and let her know that
0: you're going to be on this
1: episode. And it's probably very similar on Sound, SoundCloud and iTunes. You know what? You joke about that, but I will. Okay. I mean,
0: listen, joking or not, I was going to throw it out there and just see what <laughs> so.
1: Well, people always want content. And as you see now, we're entertaining each other through the television. That's I've it. seen John Legend and. Chris Martin, you know, singing to people from their homes to keep them motivated. And if we need anything now, we need emotional support. Because at the end of the day, we all need one another to survive. That's what civilization is.
0: And now that will be the lockdown. Usually I have my own, but we're going to end with that. That was perfect, Mom. I love you. Right. I love
1: you too, baby.
0: All right, you take care. Be safe, okay? I will. You too. You're
1: listening.